intro too long for you? I feel like I'm floating in space. Sick. That's what I was going for. I'm, I'm, I'm weightless. I'm weightless. Ah! <laughs> hey, what's up, man? Hey, buddy. I hope you find your way. <laughs> Goodbye, buddy. I hope you find your way out of the Australian <laughs> outback. I hope you find your dad. How are you? I'm doing great. Sick. Been reading about crazy ass Ricky McGee for the last 24 hours or so. Hi, I'm Ricky McGee. <laughs> you guys, your Australian is not bad. You look very Australian, which sells it more. Sick. Yeah, I, that's it, not a compliment, but you're welcome. No, I'm just saying I'm pulling it off, and I'm proud of it because I don't pull off any of the other accents I do on the show. Some of them half intentionally. <laughs> uh, no, I I think what you don't know is I just suggest Australian stories specifically mm. so I can do my Australian mm. accent. Is that the reason we started this podcast? Just so I could refine my yeah, my no, like, just as like an excuse to occasionally perform an Australian accent for several thousand people. I'm going to get cast in a Steve Irwin biopic. Mm. That's, you know... Um, kind of surprised that hasn't been made yet, honestly. You, you know the secret? You manifest your future. I'm, what I'm, the fuck did you just say? Have you ever heard of The Secret? It's like a book and a movie and no. this... Sounds like some love and light, raise your vibrations bullshit. It definitely is. Tight. It's about people who make vision boards about like a what now the things they want to have happen in life, and if you mm. like meditate on that thing, it's gonna happen for you. No, it's not. So that I'm not how stuff works. So I'm manifesting my presence. That's as good of a plan as speaking something into existence. Uh huh. Well, <laughs> I do think there is there is a version of speaking something into existence that works if you if you believe that your words shape your thoughts and your thoughts shape your actions. Then I can see how you would do that, but that, I don't think that that's phrase, what, that I don't phrase think that's is what total people, bullshit. That's what most people mean by it. Speaking something into existence is the fucking lottery ticket of goal setting. Mm. Mm-hmm. If it happens, it's by dumb luck. It had nothing to do with you saying it. That's real. Unless you also did all the other steps required for it to happen. <laughs> it's called which is called work. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, his- here's our motivational podcast. <laughs> Go get it. Go get it, y'all. Don't speak it. Go do it. Do you think his family is like, fuck y'all, we don't need the money, and we're all still alive, and we don't want, like... Wait, who? Rick? Steve Irwin. Oh. Um, I'm sorry, I went back to Australia. I don't don't know what his family is about. I feel like they probably, they don't need the money. Maybe. I mean, I have no idea. I guess. I don't know. I imagine... They might be broke. We don't know. I imagine Steve Irwin left this left this planet with a whole bunch of crocodile dollars in his bank account. <laughs> yeah? Yes. <laughs> yes. Crocodile commerce. Ooh. That's what he's best at. Ooh. I've, I told, I've told the... Uh, Please tell me you have a crocodile story, because if you do, I've never heard it. No, the, the dog... Damn! The dog currency story. I, have I told that on this podcast before? Oh, I don't I th- know. I think I have. I don't know. Okay. Mm. Go back and listen. Hey guys, yeah. go back and listen to all our episodes. I used to teach high schoolers and, uh, well, middle and high schoolers. And this, I think, ninth grader, we were talking about, they had to write this essay and it was about pet, pet rental services. Like you can mm. rent a dog for a day or a week or something if you want to hang out with a dog but not have the responsibility of, of owning one, which is kind of great. And we were talking, they were supposed to write a persuasive essay about, uh, the the ethics 
of that sort of system, mm-hmm. right? Like, is it is it good or bad for the dogs? Is this something we as as people should be doing? Is it whatever, whatever? Right, right, right. And he got really hung up on the fact that you were paying for this, mm-hmm. right? And we were discussing like, well, if you pay more or if you pay less, does it make it better or worse? Like, do you sure. think the animal gets treated better, et cetera? What's the going rate? Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. How much would you pay for this sort of experience? Mm-hmm. Um, how much would you have to earn as a business? Does each dog get its own trailer? Well, and so he got really caught up on like, well, how much are the dogs getting paid? <laughs> They're getting paid in love and affection. And to this day, I, I... Not a hundred percent sure if this kid was fucking with me or not. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the type of kid to ever like fuck with me, and he's totally sold it. But he, I was like, dude, dogs, they don't need money. Like they don't, they don't use no. money. The people who own the dogs are getting the money. He's like, wait, wait, wait. They don't have wallets, bud. He's like, wait. So, so how do they pay for stuff? <laughs> mm. As if they had some other sort of currency or yes. like barter system. As if dogs were all secretly kangaroos with a pouch w- in which they keep their dog dollars. Like, you've been on this on this planet for 14 or 15 years. Have you ever seen a dog buy something? Right. Because they, they don't, buddy. Do they, you, they barter with us in with love and affection. With love and affection, yes, exactly. Anyway, we're here to talk about big old Australian bastards getting lost in the outback. Speaking of kangaroos! <laughs> um... We are here to talk about that. I just wanted to do uh, one one quick announcement mm. um, slash request. We have a request. Oh, what um, are we requesting? So there's a lot of people who uh, who support the show on Patreon. Thank you guys so much for supporting the Patreon and getting yes. your extra free episode every week. Yes, it's um, not free. They pay us. But well, or, you. sorry, your extra episode every week on top of the free episode. Um, there's also people who have asked before like how can they support the show if that's if paying the the monthly thing isn't their thing which Which, is cool which you broke ass how can you still support us (laughs) yes uh we we have a thing you can do and uh it's actually out there for everybody but what we're gonna do is um we want to make a little bit of a best of curated by you guys oh so for y'all who uh listen and love the show what we would love is if you could send us an email at hi at whatifpodcast.com with a timestamp from a favorite portion of your favorite episode, or it could be multiple. If uh, you can't give us money, tell us exactly where and when you loved us, and yes. then remind us of it so we can feel good about ourselves. Yes, exactly. We need affirmation from it's, strangers. It's not just for our egos, for what it's worth. <laughs> we're not just going to be like, mm, yes, that was funny. We were good that day. We were good that day. Um, we're going to try to see if we can splice them together. If we get enough inputs from everybody, uh, we're going to see if we can splice them together and make a little bit of a best of that we can share and uh, and and help kind of people get a vibe for what we do outside of y'all. So. Hi at whatifpodcast.com and uh, yeah, t- tell us tell us when when you liked the show most at some point, and uh, we'll see if we can put those together into something fun that we can all enjoy. We're gonna make a highlight reel. Uh, we're gonna make a highlight. We're gonna make a sizzle reel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's gonna be all our dunks, all our yeah. half court shots, yeah. <laughs> all our alley oops <laughs> from the past two and a half years. Should be fun. Okay. All right. Richard, take me to Australia. Oh, I should have pulled that one. Richard, what's happening? <laughs> uh, so you sent me this uh, this link, yeah, yesterday, just yesterday. No, 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 it was a few days ago. Was it? Okay, it was over the weekend. 
Yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. A day or two ago. Uh, about Ricky McGee. That's M-E-G-E-E for those of you that want to look into this. I'm Ricky McGee. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Air in the Australian Outback. Carry on. And I started doing some some research about this this guy who got lost in the Australian Outback for 71 days. And it's this crazy story. And in one of the articles I was reading, it referenced his book. Mm-hmm. In his book, Ricky says, blah, 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 happened. I was like, well, now I need to find Ricky's book. Take me there! <laughs> so yesterday afternoon, I went on the Amazon Kindle store and found Ricky's mm, sort of autobiography. Okay. It focuses mostly on the time he got lost in the Australian Outback for 71 days. I would imagine. But he does a quick uh, before and after as well. So it's sort of like an autobiography. And between yesterday afternoon and this afternoon, I read that whole damn thing because, boy, is it a wild motherfucker of a book. I am very proud of you. You read a book in a whole, in like one day. Well, I haven't done that in a really long time. A lot of the day, I have to like sort of make sure that this little animal doesn't destroy my house. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. But he also sleeps a lot. So it's like follow him around, wait for him to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. Good thing to do during that time is to read a book about a wild motherfucker named Ricky. Ricky. So I'm going to go through his version of events. Yes. You've done a different type of research about this story and about Ricky. And so also, feel free to interject uh, when any discrepancies or additions to to his version of events arrive. Okay, uh, cool. Arise. I will also acknowledge that um, most of my research is done for the paid episode this week, which is another okay. survival story that we're going to talk about over there. Great. So I also somewhat intentionally came in being like, Tell me more about Ricky, dude, because I sent you the initial link and then was like, let's see where this road goes. Okay, because some of the the preliminary research I was doing through like um, through the media, Mm -hmm. the media coverage of this event, um, I've heard is very different in some key points from his version of the story. So we're going to we're going to go through this as told by Ricky. Yes. And just know that there are. some people have questioned the validity of some of his claims. Which, well, we'll he was get there. the only one there. We're going to go with his version. Right. For better or worse. Yeah. And also, like, well, we'll just, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there when the discrepancies arrive. How about that? So I made uh, chapter by chapter notes. Oh, buddy. Chapter one opens with him <laughs> trying. Wait, are we really going chapter by no, chapter yeah, through I the mean, whole book? No, but <laughs> okay. for the first few. Okay. He starts by just telling like a quick version of his life story. Okay. Which involves um, just shit show after shit show. He mentions uh, how he pulled a knife on his mom's boyfriend at 13. Ooh. Um, and then pulled a knife on a kid at school at 15. Oh, wow. His his whole family. <laughs> he pulled a knife on his dog. <laughs> uh, basically, he was an angry little dude. His whole family was drunks. His dad killed himself. And he dropped out of school and started working full-time at 16. Okay. That's chapter one of his book about how he got lost in the Outback. Jesus. Ricky. Chapter two, he gets married. (laughs) Wait, wait. Sorry. Really quick. That's not a knife. (laughs) Just kidding. Yes, it is. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. This isn't going to get old at all. I just... Look... (laughs) If you're going to tell, if there's an Australian joke about knives, I'm not going to not bring up Crocodile Dundee. 
Okay. I have to had to do it. That's fair. Okay, carry on. Chapter two, he gets married and then divorced three months later. Mm-hmm. Um, he manages a warehouse. He sells carpet. He works on a prawn boat. Uh, when you said carpet, that was not the C word I thought you were about to say. Sells ca- cocaine? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, Just based on everything else up to that point, I that would have made more well, sense. But we'll, we'll get there. But also carpet. We'll get there. Okay, He great. He starts a landscaping business. He works as a bouncer. Um, he calls a lot of people boof heads and dead shits, which I think are both terms that we should probably integrate into our vocabulary, unless they're horribly offensive in a way I don't know about it, because I don't understand Australian slang. Yeah, I don't either. So if I offended any of you by just saying those words, I apologize. Um, but also, It's can, Ricky's fault. But also, can some of our Australian listeners email us and let us know whether those things are okay? Because next time I get into a road rage incident and I need to roll my window down and call <laughs> someone something, you fucking boofhead is I mean, going to be really fun. Dead, so. dead shit seems like, I mean, I think I understand that one. That can't be that bad. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I'm assuming it's like deadbeat or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I we, we also learn in chapter two that Ricky thinks extremely highly of himself. There's a quote that says, quote, I was big and strong and didn't take shit from anyone. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm a big, strong man. Fuck with me. I'm grown now. I'm Ricky McGee. Um, in this chapter, we also learn that he went to jail for three years because he beat up some guys and stole their shoes. <laughs> and when he got out, he started working as a gardener at a casino. Um, and then he moved several times to avoid some trouble that came along with his quote, 99% legal work that he was doing. He self describes it as 99% legal. Correct. Does he explain <laughs> what he means by 99% legal? No, but the 1% illegal is always going to be the part all illegal, right? right? That's, yeah. that's the part that gets you. Look, I was running a legitimate business. <laughs> I had accountants. I had a warehouse. Look, the product may have been cocaine, but everything else was totally legit. We were shipping flower pots. <laughs> Some had coke in them. Made of cocaine. But only 1%. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, that's amazing. He then starts working as a contractor in Sydney, and while building a balcony, this is actually relevant to the rest of the story. This is mm-hmm. the first time we get something relevant. Well, uh, actually, really quickly, I would argue that if that's the lifestyle you've lived, that's true. It makes a little bit more sense to me that you survived for seventy-one fucking days in the Australian outback. It also has a lot to do with why people were questioning the validity of some of the of his claims after the fact, because he's a bit of an unsavory character. Correct, mm. and had had multiple run-ins with the police and needed to then later deal with the police. So I guess some of it's relevant. Also, the fact that he's describing it this way makes me think it's at least 50% worse than what he's saying. Bare minimum. Yeah. In Maybe your closer own, to doubly worse. If you're saying all this shit in your own autobiography in the first two chapters, yes. you're leaving out the worst stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. He's also, wor- you said 50%. Uh, you said 50% worse. Yeah. And I said maybe doubly. and. I'm pretty sure those two things are the same thing. No, 100% worse would be doubly. Oh, right. Or, or, well, yeah. Is that how that works? Those two are fucking dumb. (laughs) Yep. There it is. That's what we needed to get today going. That one... True story! That one's going to be around for a while. Because it's true. (laughs) Thanks for bearing with us, babies. I don't know if you intentionally set that up just now or not, but... Uh, I no, I was you. no, I was genuinely wondering whether or not I had gotten that. Correctly. Oh, in that case, those two are fucking dumb. Boom. 
Facts only. Okay, so he's working in Sydney as a contractor, and one day while building a balcony, he falls 20 feet and shatters both legs and both ankles. Oh my god. So he landed on his feet, and his legs just exploded upwards. I just got the ickies. (laughs) Oh, yuck. From the ankle up, just turned to mush. Oh, God. So he spends three months in a hospital uh, receiving multiple surgeries. Where, what's our timeline right now? Oh, uh, you're, you mean like when was this happening? Yes. <laughs> is that what timelines mean? <laughs> Those two are fucking... Uh, <laughs> this is, um, yes, that is what I mean. So he went missing in 2006. Okay. At age 35. Okay. Um, possibly 36. Uh he doesn't say, but this is as an adult and like in the years leading up to him. So like so early 2000s. Like, yeah. Sometimes sometime between 95 and 05, basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Probably around 2000, early 2000s. Got it. So he spends three months in hospital, gets released. And then soon after getting released, uh, gets or develops, that's the word, a staph infection Ooh. in one of his ankles. And has to spend another two and a half months in the hospital um, because when he went in, it was so bad that his options were, we can cut your foot off and then you can like go home (laughs) and, you know, get a prosthetic or do whatever you're going to do after that. Yeah. Or we can try this more uh, experimental set of procedures where basically they were removing small pieces of like his ankle bone and tissue over the course of months to take the infection out. So there was like a staph infection just like eats away at your, at your tissue, muscle and bone and whatever. Right. And so they were removing it and then like, I'm not a doctor and I'm fucking dumb, but I think the idea is like slowly remove the infection allow the body to regrow healthy tissue, but it has to be constantly monitored. Right. And you're doing a procedure slash surgery like every couple of days. Right. And they're probably pumping you on a daily basis with antibiotics. And, and you're shit. spending the whole time in the hospital. Right. So he spends another two and a half months in the hospital and then finally gets released and makes a recovery after about six months. So this whole ordeal is like a, a year full year. Life. A full year. That's one resilient motherfucker. I mean, for everything up to that point, but also just to live a year through that experience, that's fucking crazy. And then for two years after that, he has to uh, wear a, like a, a large leg brace because he's lost so much um, atrophy, right? Like your muscles yeah, atrophy. Yeah, but also shit. like bone density and bone strength mm, as well. Sure. And so he wears a leg brace to support like... I don't know how big exactly, but he made it sound like it was large and cumbersome just so he could walk around. Yeah. Like I mean, sort of a walking boot slash leg brace combo, it sounded like. Sure. I would imagine you'd need it for like just structural, you know, supporting the weight of your whole body because your bone's not going to be able to do that, especially if you're removing portions of bone throughout the surgeries. So somewhere in that two years uh, of recovery where he's wearing this leg brace, he decides to leave. He's living in Brisbane at this point, and he decides to leave Brisbane for Port Hedland, where uh, a woman that he used to date has moved, and he wants to try and rekindle this relationship with her. He also got offered a job. Yes. Okay. But that was after going, like, he went there for her and was like, I'll find a job when I get there, and then did. Okay. The, so this will be our first discrepancy. Oh, okay. 
is they say that he was moving he had he had received the job and that was part of his I think the the version I saw was knew her out there started looking for work in the area got offered the job and was heading to go start that job in the area sure not not a big discrepancy but it's one of a handful that happened throughout this story. It also makes sense because he uh, tells the story of him getting that job is just like I heard someplace was hiring and they were paying a bunch of money and I walked in there and they're like, well, they have to give me the job because I'm so great. And they offered it to me on the spot. Uh, also, and the office was full of hot women and I couldn't wait to work there. Did he really say that? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. This dude's kind of uh, kind of a dick. Um, th- the uh, the other thing about it that I see here is that it was a government job of some kind and I didn't see exactly what government job it was, but good on Australia for letting somebody who's been, uh, through some shit <laughs> into, uh, yeah. into their government. I mean, I don't know how their criminal justice system works, but honestly, Man paid his dues, let three, him, let him ride three years for fighting and taking a pair of shoes seems like a lot. And like a thing that yeah. probably wouldn't be a felony here in the states, like that wouldn't prevent you from working in the future here. Um, I mean, I guess it would depend. You get in like a fight outside a bar and no one's like seriously hurt. But he, like, maybe he had a weapon of some kind. Also, his version may not be totally accurate based on. <laughs> I just hit him. Slash. Yeah. Oh, maybe it was the thirty seventh part person I pulled a knife on. Right. Right. Yeah. So what's important uh, in this Brisbane to Port Hedland, Hedland uh, move is that it's 3,000 miles across Australia. It's 3,000 miles? According to Google, it is a 57-hour drive. That's, so that's, Brisbane is on the far east coast of Australia, mm-hmm. and Port Hedland is on the northwest coast. That, isn't that almost exactly the equivalent of driving from like New York to Los Angeles? I think it's probably more, honestly. New York to LA right. is not, I doubt it's 57 hours. Yeah, I'm going to Google it right now. It might be 3,000 miles, but I bet time wise it's less. Anyway, uh, while you're looking that up, he, he bought himself a 2001 Mitsubishi Challenger and decided to make the drive uh, by himself, I believe. Bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. Uh, it's tw- 2,800 miles and 41 hours from yeah. New York to L.A. So. so this is more than driving from New York to L.A. And also, like, you're driving through nothing for good chunks of that. If you're driving New York to L.A. in the States, like, you can at least plan most of it out so you're on major freeways and going by cities for a lot of it. Maybe you're, not in, like, the Southwest for a while. But, I mean, you... Yeah, you're talking at a max, you're going like an hour without seeing stuff. He's driving literally dirt roads at times. Bro, absolutely yeah. not. Also, uh, if if you're if you're up and moving to another place and you're going to buy a car, can you just buy like a $300 plane ticket and then buy the car when you get there? He could have, yes. <laughs> he did not. Ricky! Um, he describes loading up his car... Essentially with a cooler. <laughs> and drinking rum and Cokes for most of the drive. Yep. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, so he makes it to Port Headland. And then after being there and, according to him, securing this job, he decides to drive his friend's son down to Adelaide, which is like in the south central-ish part of Australia. Just in the middle of this process? Yeah. Right. So, like, he's got a buddy <laughs> whose son needs to go to Adelaide. 
It's 40 fucking hours. So he gets there, spends a couple of days in Port Hedland, and then decides like, to make another 40-hour drive in one direction to drop his friend's kid off. Wh- why did you do that, Ricky? We don't know. Um, That's kind of ridiculous. He spends a few days in Adelaide basically partying and then heads back to Port Hedland because he's got to start this new job. Okay. On the way, he decides to take some like straight-up goat track Dirt ass back roads because he thinks it's shorter slash more direct. It's a forty-one hour drive from yeah. Adelaide to Port Hedland. One way, one way. So he's driven fifty-seven hours across the country, forty hours, and then another forty. Granted, not like all at once, but in the course of a month, a couple yeah. of weeks, he's doing all this, all this in a car that he just bought. Old move, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. <laughs> um. On the way back to from Adelaide to Port Hedland to start this new job, he's taking dirt back roads and camping along the way because there is nowhere to stay for some of this. Uh, and he's just slamming rum and cokes while he's driving. How many? He must have gone through a fucking case of rum at this point. So he talks about cans. I guess maybe that's a thing you can get in Australia is like a canned pre-mixed rum, rum and, and coke. coke? Sick. I guess. Like, we have uh, those Bud Budweiser margarita shits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, uh, the White Claw things. God bless countries with cooler liquor laws than the United States. But so, in the U.S., aren't those things, they're not actually, like, liquor, right? Isn't it, like, malt liquor? It's, yeah. Like, usually, you're not, there's not tequila in that Budweiser No, no, shit, it's malted right? beverage. Yeah, and White Claw yeah. is the same thing? Yes. You can't sell liquor in a can? Mm, well, I think... <laughs> Liquor's you, not allowed to touch aluminum in the United I, States for I some reason? you could probably sell liquor in a can, but I think it would just be liquor in the can. I don't I've think... I've never seen you, it. Also, that seems reckless. Just crack a 12-ounce <laughs> can of tequila? I mean, I mean, you shouldn't face it, but... <laughs> well... I guess that's what you're implying you someone also shouldn't would drive do. 57 hours across the outback. While drinking. That's the end of chapter three. Chapter four. <laughs> um, he decides along the way on these dirt back roads mm-hmm. that he's going to pick up three hitchhikers. This guy mm-hmm. is not it's not all there, man. <laughs> he's fucking not all there. Um, one of the hitchhikers, uh, so they're... The three guys don't really speak English, and so they're just kind of like hanging out in the car together. And they he somehow they communicate where they need to go. He's going that way, whatever. Somewhere along the drive, one he asks the guy sitting in the back to pass him another rum and coke from the cooler. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fucking dry, Ricky. Have you anything to drink? <laughs> yes, and he's had uh, a lot to drink. He believes at this point that the hitchhiker he has picked up drugs the drink that he hands him. This is, I think where stories may deviate again from what I've heard, but this is Ricky's version. Well, one of the versions didn't even have him picking up anyone at all. Okay. So one of the, one of the versions we have is that his car broke down. Right. Well, that in the middle of nowhere. that also happened in, in his version just after some other shit. Yeah. So we'll keep going with his version. Um, Guy in the back seat drugs his drink, drives for a little while, realizes that he's fucked up, and wakes up 
what he thinks is a couple hours later in the passenger seat of his car, and it's parked on the side of the road. And he says, quote, I've taken my fair share of drugs in the past, but nothing compared to this. Okay. Based on how he felt when he came to. He jumps back in the driver's seat and tries to drive away, not realizing that one of the other guys is still in the back seat. Oh, dang. So now he's driving down this, like, dirt road, still super fucked up from whatever combination of liquor and drugs is rattling around in his head. Mm-hmm. And now there's a guy in the back seat trying to choke him out. Mm. So this cool. is where he says he drove off the road, crashed, and got his uh, his car stuck, like, in sand, basically. Like, it bottomed out, and he got stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, he says he spends the next, he estimates two days drifting in and out of consciousness, uh, and recalls the three guys that he picked up hitchhiking plus a couple other people coming and going and he's in some like unfamiliar outback location. Yeah. Yeah. On the third day, he wakes up in a hole in the ground covered with a tarp. Mm. All of his belongings, including his boots and his leg brace that he was still wearing at the time, are gone. Mm. The only things he has are the shorts he was wearing, t-shirt he was wearing, and $12 in his pocket, which seems odd considering that... They took everything else? Yes. Why not take his cash? Actually, he says it's exactly $12.32. Okay. So you would think if you're getting robbed for everything you own, including your leg brace, you would take the cash in your pocket you would think yes but apparently not um he has no idea where he is nothing looks familiar Mm. uh his car nor any of the locations where he had been when he was drifting in and out are within view he's in the middle of the fucking outback right climbs up a tree to try and see like where he is or if he can recognize anything figure it out and he can't and he says, quote, the only thing in my favor at this point was the fact that I was Ricky McGee. I was alive and I knew I could survive more than most. Fuck with me. I'm grown now. <laughs> I'm Ricky McGee and I don't take shit from anybody. This is the part of the book where he starts referring to himself in third person. Also, there's a there's a distinct tonal shift in his writing when he wakes up in the hole with the tarp. You know, this sounds crazy, but there might be an element of this where he's actually maybe done some disassociation from a relatively traumatic experience in his life and looks at it a little bit more as like an externalized situation that happened to someone. Yeah. I mean, I don't, maybe not, but, um, we can give him the benefit of the doubt, I guess it, it, it comes across more like, um, for dramatic effect. Sure. Or it seems like maybe he wrote this at a time where those Chuck Norris like bits were really popular. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to write a book. And instead of people saying Chuck Norris did all this wild shit, they're going to say Ricky McGee did all this wild shit. Hi, oh, I'm Ricky <laughs> McGee. You got to at least say something. More. And, I, and I've uppercutted every kangaroo from this side of Australia yeah. to the other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll, I'll suck a punch. Any jaguar that comes near me, I'm Ricky McGee. Jaguars in the outback? I don't fucking know, man. Dangerous shit. Whatever. Um, So he just starts walking. He's got no boots. I jump rope with snakes. I'm Ricky (laughs) McGee. Two? Like like double dutch? (laughs) I tied two snakes' heads together 
and then jump rope with a longer <laughs> jump rope. That's a good. That's actually a great plan because I was going to say, McGee. if you're doing double dutch, somebody has to have the head. Side, right, you got to hold their heads. Yeah, no, no, you got to tie their heads together first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, then they also probably against die. the ground. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, 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 right. So you're good. <laughs> That's plus, awful. that's awful. <laughs> plus, you need more people to dub, to double dutch with. Right, I guess he'd be, if he had enough people to double dutch, he wouldn't be in quite as rough shape. Hi, you just <laughs> carjacked me. Could you please help me double dutch with these snakes? <laughs> okay, um, let's take a really quick break and do our shoutouts. It's time for shoutouts. Do we got some good ones, bud? Bro, we got shoutouts on shoutouts on shoutouts. Sick. Shout outs on shout outs on shout outs. Hey, uh, let, let me read one of them. All right, tight. Um, if y'all don't remember, if this is your first time here, we do shout outs on the show. You can go to whatifpodcast.com slash shout outs or slash shout out. And uh, for 50 bucks, we'll say pretty much anything on the show under 200 words uh, within reason. So if you want to congratulate someone, if you want to send out a goofy message, uh, a couple few weeks ago, we had somebody advertise uh, their favorite canceled television show from like nine years ago. Hell yeah. Um, do that. If you just want us to say your name or someone else's name, Steve, you can friggin' do that. Uh, Steve that was is a free one. Steve is it's a free yeah. one for all you Steves all, all out you there. Steves out there. That's you, what it would sound like. You though. got your love on. Uh, so we got two more shoutouts this week. Uh, from this week, we have one from Corey in Brooklyn. Corey says, "The ghost in the basement says happy birthday to Ryan." You? But it's not me. Okay. Uh, and then and then Corey it, follows it was your that birthday up with a minute ago. It was. It, it could have been. It was close. Corey says, "Hey guys, I wanted to get my brother a shout out for his birthday, which was on March fifteenth. We're pretty close." He says, "We both called in and talked to you guys about the ghost that was in our parents' basement." All oh, right, right, right. Aside right, from right. reading the line above, if you could just wish him a happy birthday in a very what if fashion, that would definitely make his and my day. Well, this well, is you a very know, what if fashion that we're doing it in that uh, we didn't prep and read that ahead of time and just said out loud. Well, you know what, Ryan. <laughs> That's exactly what if fashion. Hi, um, hi, hi, Ryan. I hope you never get stranded in the Australian outback and have need for water. Dr- I hope you never have need for water. Drink. <laughs> That's fucked up. I have a beer instead of water <laughs> for your birthday this year, if that's your kind of thing, Ryan. Happy birthday. All right, all right. Ryan. All right. Ryan. Stop, stop. Let me get that other one. <laughs> all right, bet. You know what's funny, though? I definitely left you with the harder one. Okay, tight. Um, okay, okay, all right. This, yeah, okay. This, hey, go. Yeah, no, that's like fine. A, a I was going to warn you, but now I'm. Now you're not, Now you're. you don't get a warning. Now okay. you got to deal with it. Jimmy two times wants to remind you that if you snore, maybe you should see your orthonomonagologist and make sure you don't need an anesthesiologist to out you to sleep for a ovoplasty. Jimmy also oh, wants come a- Come on, you're not even trying the words. It's not a real word. No, they're all real words. No, That's they're the absolutely best. not. No, they are real words. I- come on, you can do this. Uvulapapalastifernagaplasty. Yes. Jimmy also wants us to say- Flock, <laughs> waka flock of Chewbacca fla- seagulls, flock, <laughs> flock and the Philippification three times, flock and the Philippification, flock and the. You know what? Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, you know what? 
our we first. Got, we got Waka Flocka seagulls out of this, <laughs> and I feel like that's worth that's worth everything in its own you right. Got your money's worth. Also, it just says this is all at the end. That is all. As if you didn't just make a bunch of absolutely ridiculous <laughs> requests. Flock and Knox and There's no you, there's no X in there. You just said Knox. Knox, Knox, well, Knoxin, Knoxin. Okay. Mm. This segment's like 10 minutes long. <laughs> what if podcast.com slash shout, shout outs. Out. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll say it if you want to hear it. Uh, thank you guys for supporting the show. Um, wish somebody a happy birthday or Meg Spencer say more weird words if you want to. Head there. Okay, back to the show. He just starts walking. No boots, no water, uh-huh. no leg brace. So just physically walking uh-huh. is difficult for him. Yeah. Because he's got a, a trash ankle. Because, because you know, he ruined his bottom half about a year earlier. <laughs> ruined his bottom half is <laughs> really a hell of a hell of a combination of words. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. You're absolutely. I mean, logistically, you're not wrong. You are wrong for phrasing it that way. <laughs> but the information conveyed is correct. I mean. <laughs> He absolutely <laughs> decimated 50% of his body. That's not helping. That, that phrasing is not helping. <laughs> I didn't uh. lie. Uh. So he starts walking. And he decides that he's going to go west because he's he thinks he's most likely to find civilization to the west towards the coast. Yeah, I mean. Right? I mean, if you... I, I don't know if he... He knows where he was. Sure. When he picked up the hitchhikers. And I think he's assuming like he's probably not too far from there, but he has no idea in what direction. As in like from a road? Well, so I think he knows his like general location in terms of like, I'm in this 300 mile radius probably. The country, yeah. But I don't know like where anything is relative to where I am. So he decides initially to start walking west because he thinks he'll get to the coast. Mm-hmm. At some point, he changes his mind and starts going east and doesn't explain why yep. or when that happened. Yep. Um, on the first day, he realizes he is utterly fucked because he has no water. Sick. And it is upwards of 105 degrees Fahrenheit during the day in the sun with no cover for hours at a time. This happened, oh, sorry, this happened in January, by the way. I don't think we said that initially. It's 107 degrees in January well, it's in the, the, su- it's the southern hemisphere. Are their summers fully flipped? Yeah. Is that how that works? I think so. Mm. I don't know. I could be totally wrong. It's the wet season, according to his book. I heard that also in an interview of his that I watched, that there's a bunch of rain that happened, yeah. which is like the only thing that kept him alive, right? Right. So um, the first day, <laughs> he is out of water. Well, he doesn't have any. He started with no water. Um, yeah, he has $12.32, right. and that's about it. And there's no water available to him because he's in a desert. And he starts contemplating drinking his own pee pretty early on, on day one. And uh, in this book, at one point, says, quote, avoid drinking piss. It doesn't taste very nice. Mm-hmm. And then goes on to say, this is it then, Rico. Take your shorts off, peel off your undies, and empty your bladder into them if you want to live to see tomorrow. Fucking 
Wow, man. So his his plan is to take off his underwear, piss into them, because he doesn't have any sort of like drinking con- vessel container yeah. or anything with him. Right. And then wring them out into his mouth. Oh boy. I would have gone for like a cupped hand situation or approach, if you will. He's probably he's probably looking for uh maximum preservation of it's going to evaporate pretty quickly, I would think. No, I know, but I'm saying if you like if you pee into your hands, you're going to spill a bunch of it whereas like if you pee into a cloth, you're going to probably absorb maybe more he was of doing, it. Maybe he was doing both. Yeah. That might be the way to go. Yeah. Then you then you have like a container for saving pee, and then you also have a container for like holding overflow pee. Would you like to hear another quote from Ricky on, on this matter? On pee? Mm-hmm. Sure. I was dry heaving as I swallowed the first mouthful. Oh, boy. There was definitely no way I could force myself to gulp another. I was defeated by my own rotten juices. <laughs> and we're done here. <laughs> It's been a it's been a really good run, but um, also put it on the list. <laughs> Defeated by my own run, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> like that could be. A, oh no! That probably is a metal band, right? <laughs> it is now. It is now. Um, Jesus Christ, Rick! Yeah. So day one, he's drinking his own piss. Oh, oh. Aw, jeez, Rick, <laughs> I think is the only response to that. I don't think I... No. I a, yeah, I got a lot of Rick and Morty shit, but I don't think I have that here. We should have pulled an aw, jeez, Rick, for you this know, one. That would have been well-deserved in that moment. You know what they say. Those two are fucking dumb. Um, the first night, he builds a shelter out of some branches, and he gets lucky, and it rains pretty hard the first night. To- so he has like a... What are you building a shelter for, just out of curiosity? Well, it's desert. It gets real cold at night. Okay. So it's in the, like, 40s overnight. And it a- goes from 107 to 40? Correct. That's bullshit. And then it rains a lot because it's January, I guess. That's bullshit, man. Yeah, correct. That yeah. sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah. So, and then also he's able to catch the rainwater running off this little makeshift lean-to roof. So he sets up, like a like, a little channel. So he can stick his head out and have the rainwater just run into his mouth. I think one of the things, so I didn't read the book and you know a lot more about the story than I do, but one of the things that I learned from reading about Ricky's story and also about the story that I'm going to tell on the Patreon this week, that I would die really fast in any of these situations. Yeah, me too. Like the fact that this dude survived for 71 days doing resourceful ass shit like this is... Is incredible. Like it's 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 unbelievable that it happened. Yeah. No. I. I mean. Fuck. Put me in a, a much less um, trying. Yeah. A much less trying situation than that. And I. Fuck. Put me in like northern Minnesota in the middle of the summer for a week, and I'd probably be dead. Right. With like much a, less a, a desert jacket for, and a pocket knife. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he had literally nothing on him. Crazy. Um. Okay, we're on day one, and we're 40 minutes into the podcast. I got to <laughs> pick things up a little bit. He spends two days walking east uh, just trying to like catch water, basically, when it rains. Mm-hmm. So those first couple of days it rained at night, he could drink water at night, and then there would be puddles in the morning. He could go around and like lap up some water. Right. On day four, he, find, he just like stumbles upon a river and decides, 
I should probably stay close to this because A, I have fresh water. B, there are probably plants and animals close to this that I can eat. Yep. And C, it probably goes somewhere. Right. And D, at least for a while, I can float down it instead of walking constantly. Right, right, right. So he follows the river for a few days um, and finds a uh, a windmill that mm. is old and decrepit and does not appear to be in use anymore. Mm-hmm. Spends a couple days there because it provides shelter and a high vantage point to try and figure out, like... Where the fuck am I? Where am I? Is there anything nearby? Can I see any, like, roads? Can I see any flight paths? Can I set it on fire? Right. Well, he he takes some like uh, lumber and builds an SOS yep. on the ground and an arrow when he eventually leaves, pointing in the direction of where he's going. Again, like very fucking smart. Yeah. Um, if and, he did it, well, right. I'm, I'm saying, like, like retroactively, you could make yourself look like a fucking genius if you're like. That's Honestly, like even this. if he didn't. He didn't die. Yeah. No, he, no. He, he, did a, he did enough things right to not die. See, and that's actually the point that I was going to make about the discrepancies that happen in this story is the only discrepancy that I think is valid is did it happen or not? And yeah. all signs point to the fact that it happened. Yeah. There are a few questions about like, was it the amount of time he said Sure. Um, whatever, whatever. We, we'll get there. There are, no con- no, there are no conflicting reports by anyone who knows anything, so we're going to go with his version. Right. Um, he, in, this is chapter six. He also starts rating mosquitoes at this point from one to five on the, quote, bloody hell barometer, <laughs> as he puts it. Sweet. Uh-huh. Um, there are some five out of five on the bloody hell barometer mosquitoes near the- Is this a size thing? I think it's a size and a, a, a bitiness mm. thing and a, a quantity thing. Like how bad they're getting after you. Right. So five out of five are the ones that he said he could hear from like several meters away Ugh. and were large Ugh. and bitey Ugh. and had friends. Um, We're at like day seven or eight now. All he has eaten to this point is grass. Jesus. So he spent the first week drinking river water slash piss. And eating grass. And eating grass. Hmm. So after about a week, he decides that he needs to move on because there's no actual food at this location. Yeah, yeah. And he's given his feet a few days to heal up because, A, they were broken to begin with, and now he's been walking through the desert with no shoes on for a few days. Mm. Yeah. Um, He finds the gate and fence of a cattle ranch. Good start. Yeah. Which I guess is like a lot of what happens in the Australian outback. Cattle ranching in general? Yeah, because there's a shitload of space. It's not useful for that much. And you got to have cows live somewhere. Right. So you just let them eat the grass and you bring the water and so get yourself a meat plant. Yeah, this, uh, I now forget the name, but he names, like there's a... There's branding of some sort on the the gate that he comes across. And I looked it up and there are, they own like six cattle ranches in Australia. Oh, dang. And the one that he was near is like half a million acres or something. Like it's insanely huge and they own six of them. 
So you're like, oh, sick, I found something. And then you're like, oh, but. So he figures it's probably a good idea to follow this fence line because it might lead to something mm-hmm. like a road or a structure or anything useful. But then you got to leave the water. Right. And secondly, though, he needs food pretty desperately. And he's thinking, like, can I knock off a cow? Can I punch a cow to death and eat its raw flesh? Uh, can I eat whatever the cows are eating? Yeah. Is there water out for them? Mm-hmm. Like, can I get any resources out of this? Right. He steals some materials from the fencing itself. So he has, like, some metal and some sharp objects, at least now. Um, he tries to, <laughs> he sticks his arm into a rotten log on day two of following this fence line because he thinks he can pull some insects out of it to eat. And watching the Lion King, bud. Reaches in and gets stung by a venomous centipede, which is a, of course a thing that exists in Australia. Of course it is. His hand, arm, and eventually the entire left side of his body swell up, and he spends that night walking in like a total stupor in directions unknown. Hi, (laughs) I'm Ricky McGee, and I'm drunk again for the first time in 12 days. (laughs) He said he walked through several fences, because it's also like you're in... I'm fucking Superman. (laughs) Well... Basically, he was saying, like, at night, you can't see anything because Mm. there's no artificial light for hundreds of miles. If the moon's not out, you just can't see. And he was super fucked up on centipede venom. Well, not to mention, you know, the other thing about some of the discrepancies of this whole thing is, like, you know, whether or not you got drugged. If this whole story is, I was drinking a shitload... And I got derailed in the outback, and then I was borderline starving and thirsting to death for two and a half months. Thirsting to death. I don't know the, what is there a is there a starving <laughs> word for fucking dumb. Is there a starving word for thirsting? He was he was parched and parched till perished. Par, parched and par, <laughs> borderline parched until he perished. Like, you're probably not at your highest mental capacity, right? No, you're not, absolutely not. You're not forming your memories well. You're not thinking all that clearly. And then, then you're chock full of rotten centipede juices. Yeah, and like, you know, if if some things are a little fuzzy during that two-month-long period of time that you're just fucking, like, stumbling through the outback yeah. in 107-degree temperatures. One of the articles I found said he basically just passed out every other hour from heat exhaustion during the day because he was trying to, like make progress while he could still see, but at the same time, it was 107 fucking degrees. And he had degrees. no food or water for long periods of time. Right, so he would walk for a mile and just fucking pass out, and he'd wake up an hour later and be like, oh, guess I went down on that one, gonna Dude, keep he, going. He lost 120 pounds yeah. in 71 days. Yeah. That's nearly two pounds a day. Yeah. You're just... You're just that's insane, and he's lucky that he was a big motherfucker when he started. I was actually gonna say, if he had been in better shape, he probably would have died because he wouldn't have had any fat I mean, I, reserves to live off. Yeah, of. I guess I don't know if he was like fat, but he weighed two twenty ish when he started, and when they found him, he weighed like a hundred pounds. The photos of him when they found him are like kind of hard to look at. Yeah, they're like they're pretty intense. He was. 
skin and bones. So on that note, we're now on day 10, and he still has not eaten any food that isn't grass. Don't worry, guys. We are not going day by day all the way to day 71. No, no, no. And now he's lost again because he spent, whatever, 10 hours wandering in a stupor. Right. He knows he like ran into slash maybe crossed a few fences, but he doesn't know which ones or where right. or what side of them he ended up on. Or how to get back to him. Right. So he finds another fence that he thinks might be the one he was following before mm-hmm. and starts following it again, eating whatever vegetation and lizards he can find along the way. He starts eating raw lizards. Lizard. <laughs> In one of the interviews I found, he said he killed a li- he a lizard was running by him. He hit it with a rock or like threw a rock at it and killed it. See, he's going for that Chuck Norris thing, man. He I swear. J- he jammed a stick through it and he said he like stuck it in the ground and let the sun basically like yeah, yeah, yeah. dry it out or like yeah. cook it. He built a, a sun powered stovetop later. We'll get there. Um, so he's following this fence line again, and eventually it leads him to a dam, which. As far as I can surmise, is like a pond. Yeah, so it's it is. like a, a runoff pond that, when it rains, fills up, and then stuff grows there, and animals come by to drink the water. I would imagine pretty good for cattle ranching. Yeah, he calls ponds dams, and he calls uh, I think what we would call like a lean-to uh, humpies. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. If any Australians can confirm for me, I believe a humpy is the Australian equivalent of the American lean-to. We should have had an Australian on dial so we could we, be like, "Yeah, what's a dead shit? The emails what's will a be, humpy? I'm going to not say, hmm. the terms for people, I'm just going to avoid saying. <laughs> All right. Well, I already gave the caveat that I don't think they mean anything bad, and I'm sorry if they do. The emails will be abundant this week because <laughs> we actually have Australian listeners. Um Anyway, he he decides that this dam is a good place to hang out for a while because he's got fresh water. Uh-huh. There's vegetation. There's some insects and animals around. There are crabs apparently living in this water that uh, are delicious. And like, if you have to eat something raw, like I've actually eaten raw crab and enjoyed it before. Right. Not the worst not, thing. Not the worst thing to go for. So he builds this little uh, humpy. And stays by this dam for about a week. I live here now. Mm-hmm. Um, after nine days, he decides that he's like rested up enough and hydrated enough and fed enough to venture out from this pond area in the direction of a flight path that he's been obser- observing. So every couple of days, he's seen planes taking what appears to be the same path. He estimates about 30 miles from where he is. So he thinks if I can get in that flight path, they're small planes, they're flying pretty low. I can probably call attention to myself and get one of these planes to land and help me out. Yeah. Along the way, he finds another dam, which, or pond, uh, which is bigger and more plentiful than the, the previous one. Also near this this pond, he finds a metal water trough for animals. Mm. So it's like a big, uh, like half cylinder, basically. And he drags it back to A, use as like shelter, but B, when left in the sun, it gets hot enough that he can actually cook meat on it. So he uses like some logs to prop it up sort of at like a 45 degree angle to the yeah. ground so he can sleep underneath it builds mud walls around it to keep the mosquitoes out cuz one of his main uh problems i guess on a daily basis is fending off these giant outback mosquitoes that Fuck. keep him from sleeping 
And also, I'm sure, like, sap what little nutrients he has if you're getting your blood sucked constantly. All night long. For eight hours a day. Yeah. Right. So he builds this uh, slightly more advanced and robust um, structure to sleep in and cook on. <laughs> and he spends the next, uh, what are we, we're at day, like, 20 or something? Yeah. He spends the next almost two months there. There. And I, in the book, and I'm sure elsewhere, there are photos, because he, he went back to this spot after yep. he eventually got rescued and yep. took photos and was working on, like, a documentary that I don't think ever panned out. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's probably just long enough to lay down in, mm -hmm. not, like, stretch out in or anything. And it's probably about two, two and a half feet across mm -hmm. and just a mud covered like garbage can <laughs> that when he went back to it had a cross on top because he assumed he was going to die in there and that might call attention to it if somebody were just passing by jesus christ that's depressing yes <laughs> so he spends um 50-ish days there Sleeping in this little humpy and drinking water and eating frogs and lizards and various vegetation that's growing nearby. Has a couple close calls with planes and helicopters in the area, but nothing stops for him. Mm -hmm. And on the day 71 total of him being out in the outback alone with no gear, he hears, he's in his uh, lean-to slash humpy, no longer has energy to leave it. So he can't drink, he can't eat, and he's accepted like, I'm going to die in here. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to set up whatever way I can to call attention to the fact that someone has been here, so eventually somebody at least finds my body. Right. But I'm going to die here, and there's nothing I can do about it now. Right. Because his, like, his physical health, just from dehydration and malnutrition, has deteriorated to an extreme degree. For sure. Um, but also he's got... Like a severe fungal infection, it turns out. Um, he extracted one of his own teeth because he had an abscess at one point. I heard about that. He took a tooth out with his car keys, <sighs> which I'm not going to go into detail about because it's fucking horrific. Ugh. But he's in like extremely rough shape. His ankle and his legs are fucked. Even if like he had been eating and drinking, he would have been in really rough shape. And on day 71, Two guys who work for the ranch happen to come by to check this, like, far-off corner of their property. Right. And see his, like, legs sticking out of his lean-to. And they're like, uh, what the fuck? And stop and pick him up and bring him back to their, uh, like, ranch house, mm -hmm. I guess, where then they contact doctors and police and... Uh, he begins the long road to recovery. Yeah. And he, it's actually like, it's kind of a happy ending mm -hmm. in a way. And also still really fucking depressing because Ricky McGee is one depressing motherfucker. <laughs> but basically he describes how like no one noticed he was missing for 70 days. He, His mom didn't know that anything had happened to him. Yeah. His sister was the only one who was like, 
mildly concerned that she hadn't heard from him for a while. He said after the fact that his mom had assumed he was dead in one of the interviews I saw. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he describes it very differently in the book. Interesting. Um, he said that like they had didn't have the best relationship and it wasn't that weird for um, them to not talk for a couple months. Maybe it wasn't that explicit then. Okay, well, and th- I guess that's like, you know, there are definitely, like I have friends who don't talk to their parents for a couple months at a time. Yeah. So it might make sense if he's like, all right, I'm going to this new city to start this new job. She's like, all right, see you, see you when I see you. Yeah. She just assumed he was off gallivanting in a new town or whatever. So he spent a couple months um, getting healthy again and eating constantly and building his weight back up and his strength back up. Um, he remarkably was in like pretty good health considering like his vital organs, uh, even like his liver function and everything mm-hmm. were pretty healthy considering he basically was just super malnourished and super dehydrated Mm. and he had a nasty like fungal skin infection yeah i mean you have like zero sanitation at that point right and he'd been sleeping you know a a couple nights early on he said he like rolled himself up in cow shit to keep warm at night which i can't imagine is good for one's skin uh the police didn't really do much about the alleged uh, hijacking, carjacking, kidnapping, attempted murder situation that he described. I got a question. Yeah? How are you going to take your tooth out with your car keys if the hijackers took your car? Well, he wrecked his car, according to him, trying to drive away from them. Mm. So the car was was a wash in the in the sand and very fucked. So I'm I guess said uh hitchhiking, carjacking sons of bitches didn't see a use for the car keys. Okay. Because they didn't have a use for the car. Got it. According to, to McGee's version. According to Pretty Ricky. Um he <laughs> he closes with Quote, if my extraordinary experiences prove anything, they just go to show that it doesn't always pay to help people broken down on the side of the road. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh-huh. In his interview, he says he says something similar that he's like, originally you'd think that I was, I'd be pretty jaded by that experience. And he said it for a little while I was, but now he said, I feel like I want to help people even more because I like, like I owe it to the world to, to, contribute to it because i got saved from like such a fucking awful experience yeah he he mentions god quite a bit during the book okay um just in a sense of like i asked for stuff and then it happened and like Mm. i was kept alive when i felt like i probably shouldn't have been and interesting felt like somebody was looking out for me he also on a more paranormal tip describes one of his ex-girlfriend's can, like appearing to him multiple times throughout oh, wow. when he was like down and out and thought he was done for she would appear and like talk to him and tell him to keep going and like uh, encourage him huh, that's interesting which you know could be explained by a whole bunch of things mostly like him being delirious and right. lost but right sunstroke on day after day after day right yeah I mean he <laughs> Again, going from the book, he mm-hmm. has quotes from two doctors who both said, like, obviously I can't vouch for what happened 
during the time that he was missing. Mm-hmm. But I can vouch for what he looked like when he was found. And you don't lose 118 pounds and show up in the condition that he was in without something extreme happening. Right. And uh, He was like sunburned to all shit. I mean, he was like... Well, he turned his shirt into shoes at one point and then also turned it into like... Uh, he would pack... He ripped his shirt in half and would pack each half full of mud mm-hmm. so that he could carry it from the pond to his lean-to to build up the walls of it. Yeah. So yeah, when they when they found him, he had a pair of shorts on, and that was it. He had nothing nothing to cover his head, no shirt, and you're in the sun for. I mean, by the end, he he said like he didn't really go out during the day, right? Because it was too much work. For sure, you just go get more sunburn, and he bake. would go out first thing in the morning, and then like at dusk, and otherwise be in his in his hut, right? He'd just go collect food twice a day. I think like. The, this is going to sound corny, but I really genuinely believe it. Like the fucking, the human spirit is incredible, man. Like the ability for a human being to undergo that type of shit. At what point are you just like, I'm pulling the ripcord here, man. Like, you know, I, I started thinking about like, what is just spending? Can you imagine just spending almost three months or two and a half months by yourself? Like, what does just that alone do to do a person? You, do to you psychologically? Yeah. 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 And I guess, like, in some ways, maybe the distraction of... Survival. Just surviving minute to minute. Right. Um, Maybe in a weird way alleviates some of that versus, like, if you were just idle and right. didn't, didn't have that uh, constant distraction and motivation of like i need to find water i need to find food i need to make shelter for sure but like i don't i mean what's the most time you've ever spent by yourself like without speaking to another person it's like i mean it it's probably like a couple days yeah i mean seriously it's probably like a like a friday through a monday morning this and this dude did 71 days yeah Without a single other distraction either. It's not like you're not seeing, you're not having face-to-face conversation. Like, you have literally no communication with another soul yeah. for 71 days. You don't even see another soul. It's right. not even like you're seeing someone you can't talk to. It's like just... He said he made friends with a dingo at one point. I get it. And then some other dingoes tried to eat him. And so from then on, it was fuck dingoes. Fuck that dingo. Yeah. Dingo gang rolled up on him one night. <laughs> So much for Mad's best friend, you <laughs> ding dang dingo dog. <laughs> Fuck off. But yeah, that that aspect of it by itself is insane. And then I mean, multiple parts of this are crazy. Like losing 120 pounds. Yeah. Would kill almost anyone. Right. Like that part is insane. Right. Spending that much time by yourself is insane. Finding enough food and water in the Australian outback for two and a half months is fucking insane. For sure. Getting undergoing those temperatures yeah. is insane. The fact that he was found the way he was found is fucking insane. On on like, according to him, probably the last day or two that he had to be found and not be dead. Right. And he fucking made it. And then he went back there. Yeah. Fuck that, man. And they got stuck the second time. 
Did you know that part? No. They he went, went back to go, like, he was like, I'll show you where I was. He went out there with a friend of his, A, because he wanted, quote unquote, closure of like, I'm having a hard time moving on from this. I yeah. want to like see it and understand that it's like a part of me, but away from me kind of thing. And also like I left some stuff there. Mm. Like he had, uh, when he got rescued, the stuff that was in his little lean to, he just left and he's like, I kind of want some of that. And I want to see this space again with like an understanding of, where I am now and having yeah. experienced it already. And he went out there with a friend of his and they were going to make a, a little documentary about it. Yeah. Um, and take some photos and stuff before it got destroyed by the elements. Right. <laughs> and they went out there without telling the property owner. Sick. Because he and the property owner were beefing about some dude that some stuff that the dude said in the media. Okay. Basically like the guy whose ranch he was found on and yeah, whose yeah. employees found him. Yeah. Um, said some stuff in the media sort of like doubting elements of the story. Okay. And um Ricky was pissed about it. Yeah. So we went out went out there without talking to him in like just a normal ass two-wheel drive car and they mm. got stuck and had to hike in and then his ankles shit out on him and he was stuck 30 miles from his car on foot. Dude. And they, and he had to be rescued by helicopter Dude. the second time. Dude. In the, literally the same location. He slept in the same hut that he made months later. You done goofed, bud. Yes. Yes, he did. Jesus Christ. And that, like, that's a whole other part of it is, like, the multiple just horrific decisions that led him to being in that predicament yeah, in the, the first place. Yeah, the of bad choices. Like, just making that trip by yourself is fucking dumb. I also feel- Picking up three hitchhikers by yourself- is fucking dumb. Yeah. Taking, not not telling anyone where you were going and when you were going to be there is pretty fucking dumb. Yes. Not, I mean, driving 3,000 miles through what is essentially a relatively barren desert. Parts of it, at least, yeah. Without having more than some fucking liquor in your cooler. I, mean, I think is, he was probably exaggerating a bit, but he said he had like, Food and water and stuff too. Yeah, but, but I don't know. Right. right, right, right. Still, it's like, and obviously he had camping gear, I guess, because he was staying. Yeah. He didn't do that all straight through, right. obviously. But I guess he didn't have access to all that stuff when he woke up from right. his shallow grave. He got got. <laughs> but then he didn't get got. God fucking bless you, Ricky McGee. <laughs> you player, you made it. God! Um, it is crazy. The fact that people are capable of surviving under those types of conditions is pretty wild. Yeah. And also I would probably not survive Hell no. those conditions. Hell no. For myself. But I mean, also you, Yeah. <laughs> neither of us would last. I mean, at, at the point where I had to drink my own undie juice, I think I'd be out of there. You'd be like, well, <laughs> had a pretty good run. End of the road. <laughs> we out of here. All right, y'all. Um, don't forget, send us an email with uh, with your favorite bits from the show over the years. Uh, hi at whatifpodcast.com. Um, we'd love to see what y'all think. Also, if you want to leave us a voicemail at 612-246-4614. Uh, thank you to all the new Patreon supporters. If you want to get an extra episode every week, it's just five bucks a month. Go to patreon.com slash whatifpodcast. You can support the show that way. And as always, we love it when y'all leave reviews on iTunes and appreciate it greatly. 
Uh, thank y'all for your support, as always. Later. See you next week. <laughs>